0: And welcome to another episode of the Screen Stuff Podcast. I'm here, Elgin, with... I'm here, Paul. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. We're, and we're here.
0: We're here, Paul and Elgin, to talk about... Uh, what are we going to talk about, Paul? Well,
1: this episode, we're going to focus mostly on Logan Lucky, which is Steven Soderbergh's latest film.
0: His return to film.
1: his <laughs> After... Uh, <laughs> Semi retirement, yeah, but he, I feel like that lasted he did,
0: for he made the nick for um Showtime Cinemax or, or Cinem- Sinemax, yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he did that for like two or three seasons or
1: something, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. But yeah. uh, he hasn't made a movie in I think about four years ish, mm. um, which I guess for him is a long time because he's a pretty prolific guy. Yeah, and
0: he said, I'm done with film, no yeah. more film. But now he's back.
1: Well, he had some reasons for that. And sure. Maybe we'll talk about that when we review the movie. But we'll talk about Logan Lucky uh, in a few minutes. But first, we're going to just check in, as we usually do when we uh, come back for some new episodes, about what we've been watching over the last few weeks. And yeah. I think the first thing we're going to talk about is something that, Everybody seems to be watching. Everybody and their mother and their children are watching this show. What show could this possibly be? Uh, I, uh, the best,
0: best, the best British Bake Off show.
1: The, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, the the, the the great, the great British Bake Off. No, we're talking about um, another show that features a lot of quasi-British accents, which is Game of Thrones. Obviously, yes, yes. it's become this cultural worldwide phenomenon and it's, it's crazy a, it's people are stealing episodes yeah there's a, there's, trading, a, there's leaking
0: them hacking going on trying trying to book, uh blackmail hbo and, right. and all this it's crazy
1: um yeah. but from my understanding even with the leaks it hasn't really hurt their bottom line. The number of subscriptions to uh, the HBO platform, whether yeah. it be HBO Go or HBO Now, has uh, continued to be very strong for the company, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. makes me worried about when this last season <laughs> next year's when the cash cow is done. Know. They're gonna
0: make a bunch of spinoffs, you know. They're gonna they'll milk it. Well, you know, know that's that's and, a whole nother. Those guys will make Confederate after that. No, well, just kidding. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of people who are upset about this show, but, uh,
1: anyway, hey, yeah. So Game of Thrones, uh, we we have talked about Game of Thrones before on this podcast. It's been a while since we've talked about it, but uh, you know, I I feel like you know we got to strike while the iron is hot. Um, there are two more episodes left of this season, and then just seven more episodes. Was it seven or six? Uh, I seven, I seven. believe. Okay, yeah. I can't remember. So we're really remember. looking at, you know, the final stretch of the show. Granted, we have to wait another year for the last yeah. seven to air. But um, yeah, we're we're pretty much done now with this season. We're very close to the finish line it, it, in this season. You know,
0: this season is very much more fast-paced, which obviously, because you have three fewer episodes than you normally do, I right. guess it's... And then... They I, have to cram a lot more in. Yeah, and then they're not... They don't have the books to work off of anymore, so they're much more unshackled.
1: The books had a very plotting pace to it. Yeah. Which. I I I liked for the most part. Um, yeah, I did too. In the first few seasons when you had those big moments, mm. they really resonated and they were super impactful. And now mm. it's almost like if there isn't something huge that happens in every single episode, people are like, oh, that was a boring episode. <laughs> the, the standards have really changed, you know? You're not going to get like five dragons
0: coming and blowing everybody yeah. away, but yeah, no, no it's... I mean, have you liked this season? This, well, I mean, everyone uh, seems to be like, ah, it's like every, everyone's talking about it. Yeah, so.
1: I, I, I would say that um, the first few episodes, uh, I was a little disappointed mm. by, um, not in that they were bad, but um I, I felt that the dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, whereas before they would sometimes almost verbatim take the dialogue mm. from the books, The dialogue this season, I think, has suffered as a result. Because there is no source material to work off of, Mm -hmm. the writers, they're doing a good job of piecing the world together, but some of it's just been too on the nose or too obvious. Um, I think specifically of when Tyrion was talking to Jon Snow on Dragonstone, and Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, I was never really as good as brooding as you are. Like They (laughs) they had this whole conversation about brooding, which I thought was just, Really not very well written. At yeah, all. and there was that one weird, uh, not weird,
0: but just when Arya Stark is on her way to uh, to to where she <laughs> like she has meet some guys in the she, run, forest. she runs into
1: like the the young Lannister soldiers. Yeah, and then with and then, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, yeah, and then they're like, <laughs> "What are
0: you? What are you doing?" Well, I'm going to go there to kill Cersei, and they're like, "Ah, oh, ha. ha, ha. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Wow, that's really terrible." <laughs> you know, like that kind of. I mean, it's it's like right. it's it's a thing you see in many films and, sure. and shows, and you're like. I Game of Thrones was kind of beyond that kind of Yeah, topic, and the, the
1: stunt casting with Ed Sheeran was mm-hmm. completely unnecessary and distracting. Yeah. Um, just some, some of the choices I thought have been a little strange this season. <laughs> and then, I guess my other major complaint um, is because the show used to have such a deliberate pace to it, mm-hmm. um, it felt real and the world felt in some ways bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm. Whereas now, it takes literally one scene... For, for our characters, our favorite characters, to get from one end of Westeros to the other. Yeah, you're and right. And there's something about that that feels really false mm. and really convenient. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a little lazy on the part of the writers. They're, they're really able to transport their characters wherever they want with whatever time frame they choose.
0: I kind of wonder, I, I, I still don't understand, like... Are the creators just like tired of it or something? It's what I'm I'm wondering, right? They just have to
1: cram so much in. But I'm
0: just thinking like, wouldn't HBO wouldn't they want to give them more money to make 10 episodes? Because this thing's like Mm. brings in so much business? Or is it just like it costs so it's such an expensive show that they want to do that? I I don't know. Or, Or is it the creators are like I just want to be done. I'm tired of making this, or I don't. I don't know. Maybe just yeah. To give you're it right. Off to somebody I mean, else. I'm I'm not sure what the reason is.
1: I think it's trying to find that balance between milking this cash cow for all of it, all it's worth, mm-hmm. but at the same time, not being too greedy about it. Um, and I think that the production has become quite an ordeal. Uh, yeah, it's, it spans. Certain yeah. continents, and right. you know, like right.
0: I'm sure it's very difficult to logistically to to shoot.
1: And the the CGI has become more and sure. more intense, especially yeah, now yeah. as we're looking at the dragons and the walkers together. That's yeah. a lot of CGI yep. between the two of them. Yep. So. We're gonna definitely see more of that in the in the final season.
0: Well, I mean, I have to say, I I'm I've never been a huge huge fan of the show. Like my wife is a big big fan. And like <laughs> relatively speaking, I am like I don't know who this person is and how you know they relate to that person right. or whatever. Like I, I like Wikipedia leader, you know right. whatever. Right. I don't really care that much, but like okay. that dragons. Episode was pretty badass. So, so. the middle episode of the season,
1: (laughs) the the fourth episode, uh, I would say that that episode really, I think, brought it in terms of not only just the action, but Mm. um, it's the first time uh, that I can remember since maybe the Battle of Blackwater Bay where both sides of the battle involved characters that you've really gotten to know and oh, yeah. had a lot of screen yep. time and yep. they're on opposing ends. Yeah. Whereas before, even with the Battle of the Bastards, I think as a battle scene it might have been better in certain ways. Pretty epic, yeah. It was pretty epic. Yeah. But you really knew that the Boltons um, had no doomed. chance, that yeah. they were doomed. Yeah. Um, even though it seemed like they're winning for a lot of it. But mm-hmm. here's the thing Ramsey Bolton was such a hateable character <laughs> That it may, really made it easy for Almost to root for. Almost comical, like. Yeah, comically maybe, bad. In which Game of Thrones, again,
0: is pretty good about making the characters and, complicated, yeah. and, and you right. kind of even root for bad people sometimes, or, or, you know, nothing's clear as to who's bad or good, right? But, but what was cool about this yeah.
1: battle is that on one side you've got Tyrion and Daenerys mm-hmm. who. Of course, huge fan favorites. Yeah. But on the other side, you've even got Jamie, yeah. who a lot of people, yeah, he's a pretty despicable guy in many ways, especially after the first season. Mm. But, you know, he has had a redemption arc on the show. Yeah. And Bronn, of course, the cell sword that, you know, the Lannisters mm. have been yep. using yep. for a while. Yep. Um, so there's, it was just a tricky scene. And, and just to even watch Tyrion see all the Lannister men being burned alive, mm. and, and those are his people.
0: So, yeah, no, for sure. That, that 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 was a very excellent episode. And then the following episode just did not build on it. And so like I feel like it it the like I thought somebody major would die and they did it. And well, there's, kinda, there's like, a lot it of
1: just like it, there's a lot of pieces that are being put into play. I, I have a feeling that um, the episode from this weekend, yeah, and then of yeah. course, the final episode next weekend. It's going to change a little bit about, you know, there there're definitely going to be some big things that that I'm sure they usually
0: do, right, toward right. the end. It's usually like the penultimate
1: episode of a season yes. something
0: terrible happens. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: well, and even in last season the penultimate episode was the Bas- the Battle of the Bastards episode mm-hmm. and then the final episode is when Cersei blows up oh, the Sept. Yeah. So, they, so yeah. I mean they really doubled down on sure. kind of the the shocking turn of events, but um, you know, I I still like the show. I think it's interesting. I think right now it's kind of um, uh, the tension between telling a good story, giving the fan service, mm. wrapping up all these storylines. I mean, there's just so much that needs to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, unless they plan to keep it a little open ended, yeah, in, in terms of how they end the show, but I, it's a break in, like pace. Yeah, right? anything like, short yeah. <laughs> of a single person being on the Iron Throne at the end of the series. It's going to be a disappointment for fans for sure. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how it ends. But I'm, I you know, it's it's still entertaining, and I, I get why it's a global phenomenon. Can I ask you real quick? Do yeah, you, do
0: you follow all these other podcasts like recapping and discussing? And I've like, been, you know, like there's people like Bill Simmons who weigh in on this, and like it's like what the heck? I mean, yes, everyone there, loves this. There thing. is this it's insane
1: cottage industry that has sprung up as a result of this. Not just podcasts, but. Every major publication yeah, from the New Yorker yeah. to the New York Times yeah. to the Atlantic, they all have their own Game of Thrones <laughs> uh, recaps and analysis. It's it's pretty crazy to see everybody really jumping on this bandwagon. Um, I've been focusing more on the writing, like the the written recaps okay. and, and yeah. that type of analysis. I haven't listened to as much of the podcast recaps. Um I think the written ones I can just kind of skim real fast and <laughs> yeah, then sure. you know, maybe it's just the the difference in the medium, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard a few, like, Cast of Kings with David Chen mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, there's some others out there, but, like, I, I, since I really don't follow it religiously... You don't anyway, seem to be as
1: big of a diehard.
0: Yeah, I don't really, you know, like, I'm not... I'm not as into worlds with bad plumbing, so I'm just... Ooh, <laughs> so It's a little bit of shade there. <laughs> I,
1: um, I like modern plumbing in my worlds. That all right. I anyway. So. Any, any major predictions that you see happening? <laughs> I I don't... Someone major will die. I don't, <laughs> I don't know who...
0: Someone you care about will probably get their throat cut or something and okay. or burnt alive or yeah. something. I have no idea. I don't know. Okay. How about you? You have any um, prediction think, at
1: this point? I think... Um, Jon Snow and Daenerys are going to have a little bit more rocky things ahead of them. Okay. Moving forward. Uh, it's, Do you really it's believe in that romance? I really just... I I don't think that that romance will manifest. I think in some ways it's a red herring to distract us okay. from. Uh, maybe a, a bigger conflict at play there. I think okay. ultimately they will come together but I think before that happens there's going to be a little bit more conflict between Everyone them. needs to bend the knee. I just, yeah, I just, bend the knee. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that has been a little bit of a recurring uh theme yeah. slash complaint about this season <laughs> is so can you stop asking people to bend the freaking knee <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so we'll move on there's yeah. another uh, show that's come on Netflix it's so funny I look on Netflix these days is and- crazy amount of Episodes there's everything. There's so many shows. I'm like, when did this happen? When did this happen? There's just so much content on. But the there defenders now. just came out. The I mean, defenders like, just that? came out. Like I remember we were talking about that. That was maybe like two, three years yeah. ago when Marvel <laughs> signed this deal with Netflix, and now it's finally coming to fruition.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but with all those more well-known franchises that Netflix is trying to foster with their viewership. Mm. They also are doing an interesting job of really curating these um, smaller, more subtle shows that you might not see anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, And one, maybe aptly titled Atypical, uh, has dropped on Netflix just this past month. Um, And it's, I don't know, it's almost like a family sitcom drama e type of thing mm-hmm. um it's hard to explain exactly what the tone of the show is yeah
0: i don't know what it is either it, it's sometimes it seems a little slapsticky but I'll, but i think you're supposed to take everything yeah. kind of seriously right it, it, and it it, it feels you know. like
1: something that might be on um, the channel that was formerly known as ABC Family, <laughs> now it's called Freeform. So, we'll, so strange, who, who's 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 atypical in this? So show? The, who's show the, set, yeah, the show, yeah, the show centers around um, a high school student. He's a senior, and he's on the spectrum. And if you don't know what that means, that's, what does that mean? <laughs> that's that's a maybe a, a more pleasant way of saying he has he's on the autism spectrum. He has. Um, Autism. I'm not exactly sure where on the spectrum. His character Sam, right? His character Sam. Yeah. He's played by Keir Gilchrist. Yes. Like and in, yeah. in my opinion, he's probably more higher functioning autism. He's okay. able to actually have employment, mm. which is not necessarily the case for all students mm-hmm. or all people who are on the spectrum. Mm. So he's pretty high functioning.
0: So, like, you know, I, I wanted to watch at least the pilot, which I did. I haven't watched more than that. There's only eight episodes of this. Um, but, you know, because I wanted to see something that's a little different from, like, say, The Accountant or even Rain Man from way back, you know, which which depict people almost as, like... It's the savants. Savants, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think every... Obviously, not everyone's a savant, right? Right. So, it and, and like kind th- of makes... I don't know what it does for yeah. the image of, of
1: that. Uh, uh, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I would say Atypical does fall into that trap a little bit. Okay. But... With that said, I mean, I'm not necessarily an authority on this, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I do work with a lot of students who are on the spectrum. Okay. And there generally is a a handful of areas in which these students are hyper-focused on. Mm -hmm. They they Mm -hmm. become, in some ways, fixated or... You know, technical, like they perseverate on certain things. Yeah. Um, And for this student, it's, or for the main character in Atypical, Mm -hmm. you know, it's about marine life, it's about penguins, it's about, you know, the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. But he also seems to be knowledge about a large swath of things. Yeah. Not just that. And he's always correcting people and, and that sort of thing. And, a part of me is like, okay, that's maybe a little too on the nose with the Hollywood trope of someone with autism. Okay. But at the same time, they do generally focus more on his favorite topics, mm. more so than just he's smart about everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that sense, it, it kind of works for me.
0: Okay. And, like, it also, I thought, uh, treated the parents of the of the mm-hmm. son pretty... Like I thought they picked it realistically like the struggles that they face yes, in I, helping. I agree with that son, too. They show you know, so
1: the mom is played Jennifer by Jennifer Jason Leigh, yeah. which I find so interesting because and Michael Rappaport's a dad. <laughs> yeah, Michael Rappaport. So the parents are both fairly well-known actors. Yeah. Um and Jennifer Jason Leigh does go to a parent support group, which is pretty common. Mm. Um the interesting thing about her is I'm also used to her seeing her in like really weird, crazy roles. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's what like she's... Like
0: in Twin Peaks, for example. She's Twin been, Peaks
1: or um, Single White Female, I always remember hateful eight. Yeah. <laughs> you know. She always plays lots of really intense, kind of uh, little off-the-rail yeah. type of characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And here she's playing a mom, a suburban mom. And I have to say, I think there's a reason why she's cast in these crazy roles is because she really embodies that... She has that, that energy. ...crazy that she, really well. <laughs> when she's playing the quote-unquote straight man, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little bit forced for her. I'm not crazy about her performance. Mm. Um, whereas the main character, Kier, mm. played by Kier Grillchrist, I, yeah. I really think he's doing a fantastic job as Sam. Yeah. I, I thought
0: think. so too. And I like his sister, uh, was it, I don't know, who, was it Casey? the She's played by like Bridget Lundy. Yeah. I don't yeah. know her, but like she... Right.
1: She's a few she, years younger, so yeah. I'm assuming she's a sophomore in high school in the show. And she's very good as well. Um, she almost the older, but she well, she I, acts older. I, and I think it's it's because the nature of their relationship. Because yeah. you know, she is um, she's not on the spectrum, so yeah. in many yeah. ways, she's been his protector growing up. And I think that's a fairly common dynamic. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I I like the show. I think it's sweet, and I think it has its moments of like real authentic dynamics of a family who's mm-hmm. lived like this. But, of course, it's also a TV show. So yeah, sure. There are certain things that they do that are not as I just want, like but... I just
0: wondered if there were some bits of humor that were at kind of at his expense for that. Well, I just wondered if it's... Oh, like, did you like, feel that like, way? Well, I, yeah. I wondered, like, there are some that were, like, on the border, like, are you laughing with the people who are rooting for him or just laughing at him, period? And hmm. I just wasn't sure, like, if they always straddle that line very successfully. You okay. Know? And I think it's always a problem with with uh, having a protagonist on the spectrum. Like you right. can... Or any protagonist with
1: disabilities. Yeah. But yeah. here's the other thing is it happens so rarely that the main protagonist does have a disability sure. like yeah. this. Yeah. 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 That I think there's still a little bit of that discomfort. Right? Yeah. We haven't figured out necessarily as a society how to still deal with Disability in a in a way that I think um, makes sense, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't really know too much about this actor if he himself is anywhere on the spectrum at all mm. um, or not. I have no idea. Um, I think that there definitely is a movement for people who have certain disabilities to have more screen time and yeah. to be portrayed by people with either a similar or that actual disability. So there's a there's definitely a lot of stuff happening out there, and I think. This show is, is at least a, an attempt to focus on someone who has autism and portray them in a, in a real way. Yeah. No,
0: I'm, I'm glad it, it's out there, and I'll probably try to catch more episodes than just the pilot.
1: Yeah. Okay, so what's... Yeah, it's it's kind of sweet, and it's yeah. nice, and it's family-friendly. So. <laughs> it's free-form. No, just yeah.
0: No, it's a Netflix, actually. There
1: is a little bit of sexy <laughs> stuff in there yeah. now and then, but, you know. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So um, another show that we've talked about before that I want to bring up a little bit is um, Huang's World. Huang's World mm. is Eddie Huang's uh, what are we reality show where his he, Bourdain-esque his, show. His Bourdain-esque show. Yeah. It's uh, it airs on Vice Land, but it could also I think all the episodes are available on uh, Munchies, which is Vice's uh, food centric oh, wing. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know that. Okay, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you can find it on on the Vice website. Um, but yeah, he he generally goes from place to place, and he eats their food. But he also talks a lot about culture. It's definitely way more than food, mm. um, and he he talks about culture with his specific worldview, which is as an Asian American man. Um, and but I, with let's well okay, just go on. Well, we'll, 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 we'll get the we'll loop. back. No, no, I mean
0: yes, Asian American man. But uh, I wouldn't say like. It's hard to have someone represent the wide, sure, like, wide sure. variety of Asian Americans, right? But, you know, but I mean,
1: his his worldview, yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, he on top of that, he layers a lot of, you know, hip hop culture. Yeah, he said and, he's and, definitely influenced by hip hop culture, right? And yeah. Anyway, um, so I, you know, I think when we talked about the show, we we talked about the show maybe last year mm-hmm. in one of our podcasts. And yeah, I was a little bit skeptical, be just because I wasn't convinced that he was interesting and and um I don't know, insightful enough perhaps to yeah, to thought, host his own show. I thought that
0: sometimes he came
1: off as a lightweight.
0: Yeah. You know, and and just almost like a clown sometimes. A little bit. And, but and but there were times where he was trying to be very emotional. Yeah. And even then I wasn't having a hard time whether really buying sure. it. Right. Although you know, it seemed like he was trying to be real sure. uh, like when he when he goes back to china or something yeah like those those you know.
1: episodes in yeah. particular were the stronger ones cuz yeah. so much closer to his heart i would say this <laughs> season um, you know i don't know if they're all his choices or his producers' choices but i think he's grown into the role a little mm-hmm. bit better mm. he seems to command a little bit more on screen and with his opinions and the show is definitely becoming a lot more political okay uh, the first episode I think they're in Washington DC mm. and they're really just talking about you know we're in Trump's America now what does mm. this mean and so I think the show has really made a pivot a very specific pivot and I think that comes to a head in the Cape Cod episode and he visits different areas um, around Cape Cod mm. and he meets with a I don't know if it's a white supremacist or white nationalist, Mm. Um, and he interviews him. And it's just really interesting to see um, Eddie Huang, who we're used to being, again, kind of clownish, kind of goofy, a little irreverent, Mm -hmm. now having this dinner with this white supremacist guy. Um, and really, you know, you can see the emotion on his face and, you know, his frustration and, and all of that.
0: Yeah, I don't, I didn't see the full thing, but, you know, what I've heard is that he, he maintained his cool throughout. I he mean, did. there were a lot of times where he could have just gone off yeah. on this guy, right, and right. but he kind of was kept his cool. So, you know, that, that's something, right? You know, that's, and, and I mean, he's also being filmed, but even, even so, like, uh, he's trying to, I don't know, like what? What did you get out of it? Like, what did you think was uh, so good about that interview? Um, I
1: I don't I don't know if I felt that it was good because you know again I, I the guy was the guy who was interviewing. I don't even remember his name, but you know, yeah. he was saying things that were just you know, in my opinion, despicable and yeah, horrible, sure. and. I I personally like, because here was someone on screen, again, Any Huang is not necessarily a spokesperson for all Asian people by any means, but to see someone who who looks like me, Mm -hmm. who's on screen, Mm. talking to this guy and really questioning, you know, this white supremacist worldview, his premises, as someone who is an Asian American, I think just... Seeing that scene, because I don't think I'd ever really seen anything like that before on TV. Mm, Um, As an Asian American, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, One other thing that happens, I don't know if it's in the same episode, but he goes to um, a baseball game and it's with a bunch of people who are white. Mm -hmm. um, And he sings, I think, America the Beautiful or the National Anthem, or he sings one of these songs. Yeah. And he kind of messes up the lyrics and he laughs it off a little bit. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And
1: afterwards, everyone was essentially like people would be rating it. Yeah, they were saying, yeah. Yeah. Like you were being disrespectful to this song. He's just like, yeah. no, I wasn't being disrespectful. I, I was, you know, I it, just it forgot. Was, it was like nervous laughter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Yeah. The organizer of the event, like, you know, like chewed out him and the whole vice crew. And it was really just kind of like, I don't know. I had really mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. It definitely made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I'm not sure if the show is really necessarily trying to, you know, break any boundaries per se, but they are definitely trying to bring to light different perspectives and putting their lens on it, which is a lens, again, that isn't something that you normally see on TV. Sure.
0: Well, I mean, Vice is bringing a lot of interesting things to the screen, right? I mean, they they just recently had the... uh, documentary about what just went down in charlottesville yep, uh yeah. which the video that's gone viral uh, right about it they, they
1: essentially follow around one you know uh i don't know white nationalist white nationalist, it, um, white nationalist yeah. guy who helped um, organize
0: all the stuff that yeah, happened down and, there yeah. um
1: yeah it, it the the documentary has definitely gone viral um i think it was very frightening yeah. Um You know, sometimes my you know my, one of the criticisms I've always had of Vice is that I think sometimes they're subversive for the sake of being subversive. It doesn't always feel like it's um, authentic. Yeah. Where they're they're really trying to poke people and rub people a certain way. Yeah, they're trying to be provocateurs, right. and and that's kind of what I felt a little bit during the that Eddie Huang singing the national anthem bit. You know, like. Were they trying to be provocative there, or was it an honest mistake? I think they're claiming it was an honest mistake.
0: It's you hard know, to...
1: to know. You know? Like, well, so like in this Charlottesville... Documentary, documentary you have,
0: you have yeah. Ellie I think L. Reeve yeah. Know, she, yeah she has that distinctive look kind of you know she has, she, has
1: like those like old school old man glasses yeah it's you know? almost like it's, it's her trademark yeah. right but she, like, you know she's a white woman yeah she's, she's blonde she's this blonde very white looking
0: woman yeah so she's embedded with them and kind yeah. of you follow them and, and she asks. I think she asked some good questions you know and yeah. I, it, the danger with these documentaries is like you get an insight into the world but then I also feel you're giving a voice like yeah you're giving those guys a voice you yeah, you're you're giving giving a yeah. platform and they're you know you can almost kind of see it go the other way where they're like the views get more propagated you know but yeah. I I don't know I mean it, I thought it was interesting it was like the most uh, like inside their mindset that you can mm. you, you could see not that I really need to, to do that but like it, sure. was, it was interesting and I don't, yeah I don't know where I stand with Vice and how they they, they do this reportage uh,
1: but right. uh, I you know I'm glad I saw it
0: you know in the end um,
1: I, I agree um, you know and there, there's definitely a lot of heavy stuff going yeah, on yeah there's around. a lot of heavy stuff um, yeah. so part of me sometimes I want to watch TV as a form of escapism as opposed to fully, yeah. fuller <laughs> ingratiating myself more fully into the, the mess that is the real world yeah um, and so a show that I started watching just as a total guilty pleasure is this show called Younger and it's on TV land um, and it's kind of, you're like, what are you what are you watching this show? So it was, it was created by Darren Starr, who is most famous for being a writer and producer on the original 90210, mm. as well as Sex and the City. Is this um, a
0: teen world, younger? I don't know. What is this? So
1: it's a show that uh, takes place in modern day New York and it's okay. completely filmed there. Okay. So in that sense, it has kind of, you know, the girl Sex in the City vibe yeah, to it. Yeah. It's a very New York centric show it's about a woman um, named Liza mm-hmm. uh, she's played by Sutton Foster okay and she's uh newly divorced has a college-age daughter okay and needs to find work she's been a stay-at-home mom while she's raising her daughter and Got she needs it. to go find work because she's newly divorced she needs to support herself yeah and um, she's always lived in I think Jersey or like you know some suburban area of New York mm-hmm. and she goes to New York to try to find a job in publishing that's the world she was in before she stopped working and no one would hire her because the world has changed the world has changed, there's a huge hole in her resume from when she was raising her child And so, she lies about her age. She, she's always been mistaken for younger than her age. So, she <laughs> okay. lies about her age and she pretends that she's a 26-year-old. Oh, my goodness. So, okay. 14 years younger than her actual age. And she gets hired as kind of an assistant intern mm. at a publishing company. Okay. And that's the premise of the show. It's called Younger. And so... The whole show is based on this lie that she tells. Yeah, that she's this twenty, this millennial twenty-six-year-old, but she's actually a forty-year-old, and she has to negotiate um, a relationship. She's n- dating this twenty-some-year-old person. Oh my goodness, and it's it's totally silly <laughs> and hairbrained, but it's it's complete escapism. It's. Does she you know, have to like
0: learn to millennial speak and uh, like, a little bit, a little like, bit. She has to
1: she has to try to uh I can never do
0: that. Anyway.
1: <laughs> I mean, the whole premise is completely ridiculous because yeah. Sutton Foster does look good for her age. Yeah. But twenty six she does not look okay. like. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that's the first thing. So the the show is already kind of ridiculous. But if you can get over that, that hump of disbelief. Yeah. It's actually a pretty fun, silly. That sounds like frivolous show. That Hil- sounds like fun. Hillary Duff is in it. She oh. plays her best friend at okay. the publishing company. Um, you know. uh Debbie Mazar is in it. She plays oh, okay. her, she's good. her. She plays her age-appropriate best friend, but and she's she knows the secret. <laughs> okay. um, so yeah. what's
0: the daughter do during all this? Like so
1: she so the show starts out she's studying abroad in India. Oh, okay, okay, and then she does come back, but then she's in college, so she's off. in college. Not, so she's not gonna blow her cover. <laughs> so so she's not. Right. Although she has. Uh, created complications oh, okay. when she's visited her in New York. So <laughs> anyway, it's a totally goofy show, but it sounds like fun. Actually, it's a fun, it's a fun, yeah. silly. You know, it's kind of like a rom com type of show. Yeah, yeah it's in yeah. its fourth season. Uh, I didn't it or even not. know that it was out yeah. there. That's Each really season, weird. I think, is only twelve episodes, okay. and it's the. Um, I think we're a little bit past the midway point in the thirty minutes, twenty two minutes. Yeah, twenty two minutes, but you know, thirty minutes with yeah. commercials. Yeah, and it's on TV Land. The old episode are on Hulu, so okay. if you're looking for, if you liked Sex and the City and, and Girls and that, that kind of stuff. I don't want to think
0: about terrible things in the world all You don't want to think the about time. the real world. Uh, watch <laughs> Younger
1: uh, on TV Land and or Hulu. Okay, great. All right, so we're, we're going to move on um, to the main event for today's episode, and that is Logan Lucky. Lucky Logan? It's actually Logan Lucky. Okay. it's I know, <laughs> Okay. It's it's weird. It's not Lucky Logan. It's okay. Lo- Logan, Logan Lucky. Lucky. Okay, Lucky, yeah. All right. All right. Um, but before we get into it, we're gonna watch a little bit of a with the two main stars played by Channing Tatum and Adam Driver. Yesterday, as you were leaving the bar, you said the word cauliflower.
0: That's right. I did. not The last time you said that word to me, I ended up getting sent down for six months. It was juvie. I was 13. And you were supposed to be the lookout, now, weren't you? Being that I was your kid brother, I let you lead me into trouble with all your crazy cauliflower plans. My life of crime is over. But you did make breakfast this morning, even burn the bacon like I like it and you ate. I also saw you have some sort of robbery to-do list. I know this attempt to be organized
1: Is a big step for you, so go Charlotte Motor Speedway.
0: Okay, so that was Channing Tatum as Jimmy Logan and Adam Driver as his brother. I forgot his name already.
1: Something Logan. (laughs) Something (laughs) Logan. They're the Logan brothers. Logan brothers. Uh, so wait, what are they Clyde Logan, sorry. Clyde Logan. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, what are they? What are they talking about in this scene here? Okay, so they are talking about trying to
0: do a heist. A heist. A heist. Which you know, Soderbergh likes heist movies. He's done three of the Ocean movies, right? He I think right. he directed all those. And um, so anyway, they they are trying to steal money from this kind of speedway event charlotte motor speedway which is NASCAR thing yeah
1: there's a lot of nascar races but it's used for other things as well yeah um
0: and i think my understanding is that uh the Chang tam character he needs the money because uh the his daughter uh is going to move away with his ex-wife played by um None other than Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes of (laughs) Dawson's Creek. I haven't seen her in such a long Mm -hmm. time. And so, like, he needs the money. He just lost Mm -hmm. also his job. uh, And he he was working. Yeah, he was working. Yeah. So he
1: has some insider knowledge of the inner workings of the motor speedway, Mm -hmm. which is where he gets the idea to begin with. Yeah. Um, And so much like the Ocean's movies, Mm -hmm. he has a plan. Mm -hmm. He's then now uh, has to assemble a team of... Uh, people to help him make this thing a reality
0: yeah and there's also a um there's some echoes to me right away at the beginning there's echoes to me of uh of the first um what what was that film that he was in with uh where he's a stripper
1: oh magic mike (laughs) yeah yeah Also also a Steven Soderbergh movie. Yeah,
0: where where he has to, you know, where there's a guy, there's a kind of a working class guy doing work that's not very glamorous and kind of has to just make piece things together to make a living. And I think Soderbergh has some kind of fascination with...
1: The everyman. Yeah, this kind of working class, blue
0: collar guy kind trying to have to make it somehow and like what, like what that might mean for a a big stretch of, uh, of American society now, you know, where like manufacturing jobs are being lost and like, you have to do these kind of menial jobs. And, do they have to resort to this kind of thing? I mean, of course they don't, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's an interesting setup, and there's like all these other kind of kind of social things behind behind the actual, obviously, the fun of the heist,
1: right? Right. So, so anyway. okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about. Um, we mentioned it a little bit in the uh, when we started the episode, but Steven Soderbergh hasn't made a proper film in a while. Yeah, um, and. Part of the reason is he feels or he has often felt like the Hollywood movie studio system is broken mm. and he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. So yeah. in his mind, it was easier just to walk away. He kind of pulled a Jay-Z or, you know, insert artist here who said they're retiring but doesn't actually retire. <laughs> yeah. And he said he was done making movies. Mm-hmm. You know, he did some, he, you know, went to a foray into television, did some other things. And now here he's back just a few years later, with a new movie. Um, Did you read anything? I didn't even read anything about why he came back
0: or like what conditions might have changed to allow him to feel comfortable to come back.
1: So um, he essentially has figured out in his mind, uh, and maybe this is only true for someone who's established like him, sure, yeah. a new way to fund movies that he feels like is is kind of fixing what the fundamental problems okay, were. Okay, so no um, one's going to tell him what to do.
0: Yeah, people. so it's yeah. still
1: he can still have autonomy, and it's kind of the everyone wins model a little bit. Okay. So, yeah. um, of course, he's able to do this because he already has a name. Steven Soderbergh is yeah, not Yeah, big stars want to work with him. And big stars want to work with him, so yeah. he's able to pull it off. But he was essentially able to secure all the funding for the movie... Before the movie's release. Okay. Um, and he was able to do that by, you know, he did the, uh, he only he sold the rights to the, the video rights. on demand, okay, the, yeah. the foreign yeah. rights, yeah. the, you know, the cable deals, yeah. all of those deals. Yeah. Um, pre-sold. He, yeah. He kind of pre-sold. So all those deals already paid for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and really now the, the studio then that's releasing it um, doesn't have to worry about losing money on the movie because the movie's already been paid for okay at this point now it's all just profit and so because it's now all just profit they don't have to worry about the whole you know making up for these so obviously all the the
0: big stars here they they did it for peanuts you know probably
1: Uh, yeah i mean i don't know exactly what the budget was i'm sure it wasn't huge Mm -hmm. um but uh, in that sense, or they then, get profit particip- participation. Exactly. Or There's, yeah, yeah. They get more. So, when if the movie does well in the box office, for example, the studio still makes money, mm-hmm. but then more of that money actually goes to the producers and the actors, actors and the people okay. who are involved in the movie, as opposed to being paid up front. Mm-hmm. And then just hoping you hoping that it. you recoup it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So okay. Well, he's he's trying to change the way movies are being made for himself. Yeah. I don't know if this will translate to anybody else.
0: Yeah. I mean, right now it just seems like it's you know ten comic book Star right. Wars whatever, right. and right. you have to have you know that's the kind of thing you have to do.
1: And, right. And this is original know. content. It's not a franchise. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, what, you're uh, yeah,
0: otherwise, you're doing television. Yeah,
1: otherwise, you're doing television. Although one would argue that as much as Soderbergh will say, you know, it's everything's more of the same, mm-hmm. I, I would almost make an argument that this movie is also more of the same. Mm. From him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of new ground or new territory oh, I, I agree with you. here
0: yet i found myself laughing throughout the entire thing <laughs> yeah and <laughs> and
1: and it, there's you know there's specifically this interview that i read in gq that you know goes into he explains this whole new kind of money model, yeah. model that he's that i just talked about yeah um and and the interviewer said you know why would you come back with this movie and not a different movie and he kind of almost laughs it off saying like yeah, it w- it's totally wouldn't be my style. I wouldn't want to come back to filmmaking with, the, you know, trying to do something too serious or too grandiose. Like, mm. he wanted to make a silly, light-hearted kind of, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's what he was, did. Yeah, but, you know, which,
0: which, quite frankly, in my mood of where the net nation is right now, I, w- I was happy to just... <laughs> you wanted to a, to di- a diversion. Yeah, I, I thought it was a fine diversion. I was yeah. laughing throughout it, and... and Uh, You know, I, I, I did kind of wonder if, again, depictions of people in the South can be a little caricatured and maybe that would be annoying to some, some folks. I don't know. Yeah. I
1: don't know if this movie did anything to make that narrative any different. Yeah. I don't, I I don't
0: think it did yet. You are, but it's not like any other
1: characters are really, well, some seem stupid, but the main characters aren't. Okay. So, you know, if, if. Rotten Tomatoes and all that is to be believe, is to be believed. The critics generally liked this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yep. But I don't know if that's translated necessarily into box office it success. Hasn't. It has because yeah, it wasn't even the number one weekend no, or movie this past no, it weekend. Wasn't. No, it was the Hitman's Bodyguard. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds. It got okay. panned by critics, and yet that was the number one movie of the past weekend. Yeah, and so yeah. it's just interesting to see like as much as you know people say like your rating on Rotten Tomatoes will make or break your movie. Mm. But that's clearly not happening in, in the case here. It's not really making this movie. I'm sure the movie will do fine and no one's going to lose a leg over it. I mean, I have a feeling like, you know, it's toward the end of the summer, so it's hard. It's harder to
0: open big, you know? Like people are, are already in the school, let's get ready for school mode mm-hmm. and, ba- you know, back to school and... Uh, you know, football is about to start, so you started having eyeballs kind of taken away from sure. from the movie screens. Already, it's hard anyway. But like, I, I really, yeah. I, I really, uh, I, I, really uh, you liked, the movie. I really liked it a lot. I thought it was just a really fun oh, film, and I and, okay. and I guess uh, to me, the biggest surprise for just for me was was Daniel Craig playing the Southern character, and I didn't yeah. think he could... He could pull it off. Pull that up, but I, he was a different person. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I don't know. Maybe... I don't know if you pull, it worked for you. It worked for me, though.
1: Um, So, I wasn't as crazy about the movie as you. Yeah. I didn't think it was horrible by any stretch. Yeah. But I... You know, I think it's over 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to base my opinions on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes per se. But it that seemed a little high to me. Mm-hmm. Um, th- my biggest issues is that, again, it's just another Ocean's type of movie with a different skin on it. So yeah. because yeah. of that lack of... I mean, it followed almost like beat by beat the same type of structure in terms of like the reveal at the end yeah, how they did it, you know. Yep, like yep. so, there was almost showing things of, how they really went down after the after yeah. you see them go down. It's like one you thought way. they went down yeah, one way. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. that was kind of frustrating. Um, <laughs> I thought some of the performances were kind of weak, to be perfectly honest. Really, particularly Channing Tatum's southern accent, I thought was <laughs> god awful. Like it was distractingly <laughs> awful to me. Whatever. What about Adam, um, Adam Driver's survival? Adam Driver was so much more of like... He just was doing his... his in his own world. Yeah. That it almost yeah. didn't really matter. Okay. Um, I thought it was and, pretty funny. And that was also true, I feel like, with Daniel Craig. I thought he did fine. I thought he was yeah. one of the stronger parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But he... Was he was actually having fun with that role? He was having fun with his own role. Yeah. He was he was kind of doing his own thing the whole entire movie. You know, so and you felt
0: like they, none of these characters were really connecting to each other, like they were in their. The, own the chemistry
1: wasn't that strong, in my opinion. Okay, I, wow. didn't, I, I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay, all,
0: right, all right. Weird. And and I thought
1: <laughs> some of the jokes were, kind of predictable, not super clever in certain ways. So give me an example of that. Um, I can't I, even you know. really because... <laughs> okay. was, you know,
0: they didn't register with you. <laughs> I,
1: they just didn't register with me. And, you know, okay. there's there's the whole bit about, you know... Um, they, they do a few kind of, like, little call-outs to certain things. So there's this whole extended sequence about, like, Game of Thrones. Yeah, which, I thought that was funny. I, yeah, I thought it was okay. It was, <laughs> it was all very... But a lot of the jokes were so obvious, though. It was like... Yeah. There, they didn't yeah. say anything new about. I mean, maybe it's only
0: uh, it was okay. So the Game of Thrones thing, a little bit of a spoiler, but like you know, it's an inmate who's complaining about like that it's
1: taking so long for the books to, to come, come out. out. Yeah,
0: and you know, I like. But so he's been in jail for so long he doesn't even realize what right. what's that. So R. R. R R Martin hasn't written those books. Right. <laughs> like, so
1: I think it's funny that they're talking about it because it's so out of context. Yeah, That's the humor. Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. what they're saying is the same thing that everyone else says okay. about it. You know, right, and that, right, that right, you know what all all I mean. Right. Like for sure, sure, sure. So whatever. That I mean, <laughs> that, maybe. That was pretty fun. <laughs> and then there's even there's even a call out to. Oceans Eleven yeah, movies. Yeah, that the movie. was pretty funny too. You know, it's it's it's, it's clever. It's very it's very like wow. you, winking w- what were you expecting? It's a little winking and self-congratulatory. <laughs> I little, thought it was a like bit. a
0: self-referential kind of joke. Not yeah. but not
1: But to me it's illustrating <laughs> one of the chief issues that I had with the movie, which okay. is this is basically Ocean's Eleven. Except with a, in the South. In the South. And okay. <laughs> and the fact that there's Essentially, saying that in the movie itself, yeah, I think was like take like a wink. You know, so. It was, but it was too. It, there's just, a, okay. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't like one of those like subtle winks. It was one of those winks where half of your face scrunches to a different yeah, shape. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. thing about. Okay, here's the thing that I think is so. Uh,
0: oh man, the, the, the thing why I like I like this film is uh-huh. it does, it really doesn't take itself seriously and it right. really is winking at you big time. So like sure. for example, there's this one scene where. Where Daniel Craig, like obviously to make move the plot forward, the criminals need some money, right? Right. So he says, Tell my, uh, I don't know what they are, are they brothers or cousins or I don't know? Some relatives. Some relatives, yeah. you know, you need to go to the woods and ask the guy and the bear for yeah. money. And then there's
1: a, literally a, a guy, guy dressed up as a bear. A bear
0: <laughs> and he hands him money and then he, yeah. and he moves away and he dissolves. And I thought that was hilarious. And I was like, that is clearly just like him telling you the absurdity of plot machinations, and I'm just right. gonna do this shorthand,
1: and here right. it is, and it's like a joke. And that, and that I was that was hilarious. That so that was clever. I will, I will give it, you that. Yeah, but there are other parts of the the screenplay that I thought were so heavy-handed to a certain extent. So, like the daughter stuff. So the daughter stuff, okay, because. <laughs> I've also you like Chengdu you know, has a daughter and like okay, yeah, you also know month. this. I've I've you know dabbled in you know just doing some screenplay-ish type y- writing yes, myself. Yes. yes. <laughs> and one of the screenplays I, I wrote was like there's this guy who's hard as luck and he needs money and his main source of motivation is his daughter and every yes. scene with his daughter is super sweet and saccharine. When the guy himself, you're like, uh, he's just an okay dude. But when he's with his daughter, okay, that's that's the buy-in. Where you know, I mean it you plays by his interaction with his daughter it, it plays off of certain tropes like super hard oh, and then man. and then here's the other here's you the other are thing too. being
0: so harsh on this film
1: here's the other thing too is <laughs> i literally heard uh, a screenwriting teacher say this once Yeah, that doesn't mean it's necessarily a bad thing to do but yeah, they like yeah. you know in order to add depth to your characters give them a Physical tick or some kind of like physical, like defining marker. So, mm-hmm. Channing's Tatum character has a limb, yeah. Uh, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver's character has a, part of his arm because he served in you know Iraq, what I mean. So, like Iraq war or something, they really yeah. it, it felt like almost uh, this the screenplay felt I don't want to say amateurish because that's going to be like whoa, gonna be like super <laughs> mean. he didn't write it by the <laughs> way. It was I more, know he it, didn't write uh, it, yeah, but that's a you know. A movie is, you know, one third the acting, one third the screenplay, one third the directing. Okay, okay. so let me. And so I'm just saying, a huge chunk of this movie, the writing I thought was a little. But I don't think I think
0: I think the writing doesn't have to be doesn't have to be Shakespeare. I think you know.
1: I'm not looking for Shakespeare. You
0: know, I don't. I don't even think that. Here's the thing: is that I I thought the acting was good enough to overcome
1: any quote unquote
0: deficiencies in the writing. You obviously did not.
1: I just thought that um, it wasn't – maybe my biggest issue is that it was lacking maybe the originality and the ingenuity that I was kind of looking for. Okay. Because okay. Okay. when we first saw – We're it, used to
0: him pushing the – Yeah, when we yeah. first
1: saw it in like the, the Oceans movies, yeah. you know, Oceans 11, you're like, oh, well, like it was kind of mind-blowing, yeah, you know, yeah, kind yeah. of like how he was able to like – Really, f with your trick, mind. Trick not only yeah. the, his his people yeah. that he's trying to take all money from, but also the audience. Yeah, but he did literally the exact same thing yes. in this movie, like almost yeah. to a T. He yep. did the same thing, and so that was a little bit of a letdown, right? Okay. And then you know the whole, you know the the types of relationships and like the the way the characters were drawn, it, it all felt like. I had seen this before, and, and that and, was and, my. And
0: this instead of Terry Benedict coming after the yeah. criminals, you have Hillary Swank as a. And as don't, a don't you think her performance <laughs> was just like? I mean, I know she was. She was I'm so glad she. I, I was just happy to see her on the big screen again. I hadn't seen her in such a long. Yeah,
1: time. I just. I know. I don't know exactly what she was going for her in her performance because we all know her to be a, a, a great. She's a great, an incredible actor. actress. But she uh, was going for this certain shtick with this agent she was playing, and yeah. I just thought it, it was really flat and weird.
0: <laughs> you, I don't you know. I don't know what film you're seeing, and uh, what film I saw. But I we have. This is so okay, weird. Did I, you see
1: it on a Friday night?
0: I saw. How it,
1: full was the theater?
0: It was not that full. I mean, it was, I said, it was like. 15 people.
1: Okay, same with me. <laughs> okay, yeah. And and so maybe part of it was like the, the the beats where it was clearly there was a beat in the movie where people were supposed to be laughing. Yeah. There was like maybe an awkward chuckle. Here, I was laughing there. like
0: crazy. But I was probably, the, maybe I was the loudest one. You, you, <laughs> were, probably, you were probably that guy. I was
1: probably that guy. <laughs> you were that guy in the movie theater. <laughs> I, you know, again, I don't think the movie was bad. Okay. It was just... I've pretty much seen this movie before. Okay, that, that was, was, okay, I, that I was my biggest issue. I cannot dispute that criticism. And I know Soderbergh said that he wanted to come back with just a fun, lighthearted movie. And if that's if that's it, then that's it. That's that's fine. I uh, it, it just just a, wait, okay, all right. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I, I, I I can agree <laughs> with you. I just want to, I
0: just want to point out one or a couple of cool things that I okay. noticed. All right, yeah. Let's let's while yeah. I mean, I I one thing about Soderbergh that I I, I always like. You know, some people criticize him for um, not being that attentive to uh, how he films things. Because, like, I, you know, he's he's definitely more in the digital camp where he doesn't really want to fuss over Well, I think people stuff. complain that
1: he has kind of this cool detachment to what he's filming. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. But th- I, I kind of liked how he filmed this in many ways. There's, okay. there's some shots where, for example, Daniel Craig or Channing Tatum, they'll come into the shot when it, it's like blurry and then they they, they, they come into where it's mm-hmm. focused and then the rest of it is still blurry on the back and I don't know I there's some some th- something about that that I thought was interesting um, maybe almost like to say that the character was like in his own head or something mm-hmm. um, um, you know there was some interesting imagery I would say you that know, technically I found it yes. interesting I liked I would,
1: it I would you say know. that that to me was the strongest part like the Steven Soderbergh has style. And he's yeah. always had style. Yeah. And I appreciate that style. And I, to me, that was still the strongest part of the movie. And it's still one of his strongest suits as a director. is just mm. the sense of style that he's able to lend to all of his work. Yeah. Put your stamp on it. It definitely has his stamp. And I appreciated that. You know, I just... But you wanted more from the plot. I just, I, more I just wanted something maybe that was mo- a little bit different. You can't just take the same movie, put it in the South, and expect... I don't know. For me, to, you know, you're you're always chasing that first high, Elgin. And oh man, I've already been down this road before. I mean,
0: I I liked I liked all the performances. I'm just gonna tell you, like okay. I, I liked Riley Keough. You know, she okay. she's Elvis's granddaughter. I you know I uh, she's she, I thought she was good. Katie Holmes. I'm like I for me it was like I'm seeing all the people that I hadn't seen on the screen in a long time. Like, yeah. like I was happy to see Katie Holmes. I was happy to see uh, you know uh, like I was saying. um you know I don't know, just like all these Hillary, different, Swing, Hillary Swank yeah, and just like yeah. you know I was just happy to see them all together on the screen and then just Daniel Craig as a, about the non-bondy kind of character as you can be yeah you know I thought that was that was fun I thought and yeah. I'm like you're being so harsh on this maybe maybe
1: <laughs> there's just a certain amount of like kind of you know, smarmy. You know, just like we're so cool. You know, which, which, wow. which was like, you know, the trademark of the oceans movies. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it was it was fun while we had it. Yeah, but it, it just seems the time like has th- like let's let's move on now. People. Okay. Okay. You
0: know? Oh man. Wow. <laughs> all right. So I think I think you're saying wait for this if you're gonna see this at all on video on demand or whatever streaming service. I, yeah, because the, the rights
1: have already been sold. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I, I I think it's still worth seeing in the theater. I okay. don't know. You know, to be honest, like I I think. You know, David Lynch has said this too recently in, in an interview. Like the the model for films is so tough the the the, the money, right. the economics. You know, so he's happy to do television. You know, he hadn't done anything yeah. in such a long time before doing Twin Peaks revival, and and Soderbergh seems to have I don't know maybe he has figured it out with his model, but it seems like these things are all kind of more destined to be on small screens. Right. Um, well, and if, I don't know
1: if this movie has any lasting legacy. Hopefully, it's more in the way that it was made, you know, because I think that's what makes this movie in some ways special, is that that it it was made in this very specific way, it brought this really great director out of retirement, you know, and I'm hoping that this is now maybe a launch pad for... Maybe more challenging, more interesting. Yeah, let's let's see you know, if work you can, that's out there. Yeah, let's see if you can use this model to fund more yeah. interesting stuff. But even so, I thought this was a hoot. It's a good diversion. <laughs> I mean, it has its moments. I'm not again. I'm not saying that the movie was terrible. Yeah, it just it just felt just so on the nose with other stuff that he's done. Okay. Then. That was, it was, okay. that was my biggest issue.
0: <laughs> All right, so what, what are we going to cover next time? Yes,
1: so next week's podcast, we're going to talk about a new Netflix series called Ozark starring Jason Bateman. Mm. It's kind of a crime thriller. Um, it's, it's already been picked up for a second season, yeah, so yeah, clearly yeah. Netflix likes what it's seeing. Um, and so we're going to talk about that in and detail. And two weeks from now, we're going <laughs> to... Two weeks from now, uh, we're going to talk about some kind of off the beaten path projects that peak tv has allowed to exist such yeah. as comrade detective yeah weird and what would diplo do um, but we're also going to do our annual screenies awards yeah Screenies, it's kind. that time of year believe it or not oh, goodness um, i was so, looking at our screenies from like a year easy. ago i'm
0: like oh that's what i picked that's yeah so I much as, yeah I, i've almost forgotten too but
1: <laughs> that's where we talk about our favorite work from the past year our favorite uh, performance and the favorite scene that we've seen mm-hmm. in all of Screendom from the past year. So uh, we got a couple episodes coming in the next few weeks. Continue to listen to us. Uh, subscribe on iTunes, ScreenStuffPodcast.wordpress.com, and yeah, and uh, you know I. Paul was telling me
0: we, we have some listeners who have been commenting on audio levels and stuff. And so I really even appreciate
1: anyone listening and saying
0: that we need to do better. Yes. So <laughs> yes.
1: Tell your friends. Tell the world. We're still doing this. So uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Bye.